0: of you with us today for the first time my name is andrew i'm the senior leader and teacher here and it's such an honor and a privilege to have you with us you find us in week three of a series entitled my church we believe that there are some things about our church not only our church but if we do them right our lives that can kind of make us live a life a little bit differently and so we've been looking at how we would take this the line my church and then we finish the sentence and so in the first week we looked at the whole concept of my church enjoys life Last week, we looked at the whole topic of my church empowers people. And so this morning, we want to go a little step further. and We want to speak into that a bit and and just see what that looks like. And um, so if you're here for the first time, I want to say to you that if you never come back again today, some of these principles, not only for churches, but they can apply to your life as well. And if you put those things into play, then I can guarantee you, your life will become so much better as well. Because everybody knows that it's nice to hang around someone who enjoys life. I mean so often i think christians we get a bad rap looks like we've been baptized in vinegar we suck on lemons all the time and people say like i don't really want to spend time with christians because they really they stand more for what they're against than for what they're for ever notice that that so often churches and christians we, we everybody knows what we're against and we're against this and we're against that and, and driving fast and driving slow and wearing this and wearing that but hardly ever know what we're for and and we don't want to be known like that we want to be a church that is what people let's try that again we want to be a church where people understand what we're known for, not what we're against. And so we want to enjoy life to the full. We've only got one life to live. You and I are not getting out of this life alive. And so we need to make the most of that life. And having said that, though, I mean, I don't know about you, but I hope this morning your worship this morning reflected your response to the sport that happened yesterday. Uh, uh, Suddenly a little bit of nervous coughs happening there. I, I am unashamedly a Blue Bulls fan, and I screamed and shouted and went ballistic hoping 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 and praying that we would beat that blue and white team um but god has other plans for us um bigger plans than the curry cup and so um i don't know what they are i'm praying that he's revealing them to me slowly but surely but what i've learned is this is that god is teaching me humility um because it's better to have a pastor who's humble than like an arrogant proud western province supporter you wouldn't want you wouldn't want someone like that on your platform here. Uh, this morning no, no, just like anyway it's I digress let's carry on so we we have a we have a a, um, a scripture verse that we've been basing our whole series on and it, it comes from Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3 and it says the following that now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities and we said that Daniel wasn't distinguished but he distinguished himself he kind of went and said, All right, I, want to, I want to be a better person. There are things in my life that I don't like. And so I want to distinguish myself. I want to set myself above those around me. And he did that by his exceptional qualities or his, ex- his exceptional abilities. Some translation says that he had a right and a pure spirit. There was something about him. And when he did that, look what it says the further, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And we've said that to you that if you kind of live your life differently if you enjoy life if you're a kind of person that always empowers people around you you will get influence you will be noticed and people will put you into places of influence and suddenly your life will change all right for many of us we complain that our lives are going nowhere but we're not doing anything we're not growing in any way we're not studying we're not reading in fact all we do is just come home sit down and watch that funny box in our house go to bed wake up go to work watch that box you know over and over again we kind of wonder why our lives don't really seem to have so much meaning well what would it mean for you all right to distinguish yourself what would it mean for you to suddenly take some time just hang on there is there is something in me that is good and that is great and I want to work on that I want to I want to kind of discover what my exceptional abilities are and qualities are I want those to come to the fore I want people to see something in me that I don't see in myself yet and when they show me what it is I kind of want to operate in those areas. That, that, that's why we run the Discover Your Design, because each and every one of us here has exceptional qualities. You might not know what they are yet. But but as we go through the test and as we explain it to you, suddenly you begin to realize, okay, look, you know, I, I am a person that has got mercy. I am a person who can show compassion. I am an administrator. I have certain gifts. I can speak over people's lives. I have a gift of prophecy. And not only that, I begin to understand how my personality works. And there is nothing better than when my personality and my spiritual giftings are working together that we bring change into this world. That's what we do. We want to build a church that builds a city. And we want to be known for that. Not what we're against, but what we're for. In the city and so I don't know about you but I dream of a city where, where we have a low crime rate I dream of a city where corruption no longer exists I dream of a city where my children can run around and play outside and I'm not worried and looking to see who drives past I, I want to live in a city it's not an exception to the rule that should be the norm and we want to speak that in we pray that over our city that's why Jeremiah says in, in Jeremiah 29 he says this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray for the welfare of the city because when the city prospers you prosper you prosper. And so what is that we stand for as individuals? Now, that's got nothing to do with my sermons. I don't know why we're down that road, but maybe someone here is thinking of moving and now you know you mustn't move. You must stay here in Nalis forever. <laughs> but we need to distinguish ourselves so that we can, we can be kind of put in charge of something. And so this morning, I want to speak about this suddenly, is that my church exists for others. You need to understand that this morning. That when you got saved, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, when you said to Him that that He needs to become Lord and Savior of yourself, first of all, the first thing, that your salvation was never, ever private. It was a public thing. When God saved you, He didn't save you just for Himself. He didn't save you that you could sing nice little love songs to Jesus, kumbaya to Him. He saved you that you can have a difference in the world or make a difference in the world. He saved you for other people. And so really your life exists for others. Not only does the church exist, fathers, but it, it, our lives exist, fathers. That we have a responsibility. You know, I read some stats this week. They said 97% of Christians will never, ever lead anybody to Christ. 97 percent of christians will never ever we'll we'll love jesus we'll come to church we'll worship him but we will never ever lead anybody or tell anybody about the message of jesus we will leave that responsibility to the guy on the stage with the floral shirt and if he doesn't get it right uh, well then it's it, that's just so weird. it's an ineffective church but our church and our lives don't exist for us we, we exist for others. It's, it's like a tree that bears fruit the fruit from the tree is not for the tree The fruit that the tree bears is for everybody else the river that runs doesn't run for itself it runs that it gives life to everything on the banks of it our lives aren't for ourselves they're for everybody else that's why when eustace says that the more i work and the more i earn i realize that i'm not working to earn a living i'm working to earn a giving because as i do that i realize i can make a difference in other people's lives listen there are people here today that have been blessed financially you have and you don't know what to do with it we're saying well we can show you what to do with it it's a burden you have to carry and we're sorry for that but we'll help you some of us have got other burdens to carry but your life is not for yourself it exists for other people and so i want to say to you this morning unfortunately if you've come here hoping this morning that you want to get a message that's going to kind of make you feel good and, and you i want to say to you it's not for you the, the, this message is for those who aren't here yet this morning I'm just telling it to you so that you can go and tell those out there that they need to come in here. You see, as soon as we make the whole message of Jesus for us, as soon as we make the message of Jesus just kind of personal and all from us, it eventually kind of begins to rot and begins to stink. That's why in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, when they speak about those who were um, wandering, remember, in the desert for 40 years, God says to them, don't worry, I'm going to supply your food for you. And one evening what happens, they walk outside and the stuff kind of falls down on the ground. And they say, what is it? Which is actually the word manna. And they pick it up and they begin to eat it. And God says to them, this is what I want you to do. I only want you to take what you need for today. Don't kind of take for tomorrow, just for today. But, but there were some people there that had spent time with Liberty Life consultants and had spoken to the discovery consultant and the discovery said, you need something for a rainy day, are you? And so they said, I go, no, no, no. We're gonna take not only manna for today, but we're gonna take manna for tomorrow. What happened when they woke up the next day? It was fraught. Why? Lord, give me my daily bread. Give me today what I need. Tomorrow, Tomorrow looks after itself. Give me what it is today. How can I have what I need for today? And I think if we can live our lives like that, that everything that we do is for today and Lord, tomorrow, you're going to give me what I need for tomorrow. Then I kind of live my life, not for myself anymore, but I live my life in the trust that there is a God who provides and looks after me. The same way when it comes to sharing the message of Jesus. Lord, I know what you've done in my life today. Help me to live that life into other people. So there are a couple of things that I want to share with you this morning. And there are three fundamental truths that that I want us to look at this morning. And I love what the message says. It says this. It says, the real religion, the kind that passes muster before God, the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight. True religion, to look after the widows and the orphans. That's kind of what is reach out to them make a difference to them and listen there are some of us over here that have the ability to do that and so the first thing i want to share with you this is that we are blessed and you might know this already to be a blessing we are blessed to be a blessing genesis 12 2 says the following i will bless you and you will be a blessing to others in this world everything that we have everything that we own everything that we desire everything that we accumulate is not for ourselves it's for everybody else why so that they may know of the wonders and the glories of the god that we worship and that's why we live my life paul says is being poured out as a drink offering before everybody else our lives need to reflect the story and the wonder and the majesty of jesus and when god blesses me i need to realize that every blessing that i have is not so much for me it's good for me but I need to kind of give it to someone else. I told you before, we spoke about two seas, remember? We spoke about the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is fine. The river runs in and the river runs out and it's wonderful. The Dead Sea, everything runs in, but nothing goes out. And I wanna to say to you, if God blesses you and God has blessed you with many things and it kind of doesn't go out and you don't use it to change or bring change in the world, eventually you are gonna frot and you're gonna stink. May that be a prophetic word for nobody here this morning. And I'm not saying financially, I'm just saying that God has blessed each and every one of us with so many different gifts and talents. If we hoard it for ourselves, we do an injustice to the kingdom of God. Because every person here is a blessing. Every person here has got something inside of them that they can use to kind of change. the Well, listen, you've heard me say it over and over again. The seat that in front of you or next to you that is empty is never going to go to heaven. But a person in that seat is going to go to heaven. And so often we say to ourselves that we want you to invite your friends and, and all that, that, that's great. Yesterday I, 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 I had this wonderful barber that I go to, a wonderful guy and um, we sit and we chat every time I have my hair cut there and I know he's out of this faith and um, we chat about all kinds of things and he's telling me about his girlfriend at the moment that's going through quite a bit of, um, she went into hospital because she's got um, Uh, tumors on her stomach and they had them removed and all that and we chat and I'm saying like that's you know he knows what I do for a living he knows I'm a pastor and all that And he's like I want to come to your church someday I said you're welcome to come yeah but they're going to know that I'm a Muslim I said and I said you don't walk in with a sign that says look at me so you're welcome to come we got dodgy people in our church I didn't say that's why you can come I didn't but but you're welcome to come you're welcome to come and I think if people like that begin to come to church and they kind of begin to realize that, hang on, th- this, this is an, an accepting place. It's a place where, where people reach out to me. So, you know, we, we sat there and all that. And I said, you know what, I'm, I, I just want you to know, your girlfriend can be assured of my prayers and our congregation's prayers. We'll pray. For me. I said, absolutely. Because everything that God has done for me in my life is not for me. It's for everybody else. And there are people in your life that you're going to bump into this week that you're going to need to have to speak about the love of Jesus in their lives. When people look at you and they say to you, why in the midst of all the pain that you go through, why in the midst of all the heartache, why when everybody else is shouting at us and screaming at us and you still walk around with a smile, you seem fine, it's an opportunity for you to tell them who your captain of your soul is. It's an opportunity for you to tell them, hang on, there is one who is my peace and my comfort and he can be yours as well. Not in a weird, scary way, but just to tell them that you will be a blessing to others. The second is, is this, is that when we bless others, God takes care of our needs. God takes care of our needs. I love Luke's gospel. He says this, I guarantee you this. Anyone who gives up anything for the kingdom of God will certainly receive many more times, many times more, sorry, in this life and will receive eternal life in the next world to come. If we give, when we bless, God will take care of our needs. And I think for many of us, we believe that, but we just don't live it we just don't seem to live in that space maybe that's why when luke writes he says the following he says that give your life away and you'll find your life given back to you but not nearly given back to you given back with bonus and blessing how would it be like for us to receive that every single week every single day not just like oh december's coming bonus time what would it be like if we, we realized that every time we give away of ourselves, God gives back to us. Every time I give away compassion, every time away I, I, I give away humility, every time I pray for someone, God gives back to me. God kind of works in my life. God shows me. Hang on. This is what it's like. For, for many of us, I think the hardest thing for us to do is to kind of live a life of compassion. And we pray that, Lord, I wish I could be a compassionate person like you, Lord, I want you. But I want to tell you this is one of the scariest prayers you can ever pray because when God shows you the world through his eyes, it'll wreck you. But Lord, I want you to do that because I want to see the world the way you see it. I want to see the needs in this world like the way you see them. Because only when we do that will we be moved to action. We'll be moved to action. Sometimes we need God to kick us in big ways. Before we move, I, I pray I'm never like that. But a couple of weeks ago, I had the honour and the privilege of of, of doing weddings. I, I get to marry people. Um, I often say I married him, and they say, "But I thought you married already." So I get to do the wedding of the people. And um, uh, I married uh, Justin and, and Simone, um, who now are living in LA. And um, you might have read about him in the paper. He was blind, and they're going through this whole big testing for his eyes and all that. And we were chatting beforehand, you know. Um, And we were just, I was uh, fishing, trying to find some stories just so that I could, you know, understand them a little bit better and all that. And he was like, Andrew, I should be dead. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, "Ah, I mean, we partied and partied and partied and partied. He says, the best thing that could have happened to me was me being blind. He says, because I could have been dead. You know, and I'm sitting over there and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I have this problem and I have that problem. And this is this wrong for me. And then I sit across a guy who's got more positive than me about, uh, and then I marry him and his wife walks down the aisle and I'm thinking, he can't even see her. He can't even, you know, yet he's crying and he's weeping and it's the happiest day of his life and all that. I pray that we never have to have extreme things like that happen to us before we realize that our lives are never our own. That God will take care of us when we're blessings to other people. Now, suddenly, his life has turned 180 degrees around, sold out for Jesus, making a difference, speaking, they're involved in Hillsong LA. Every time they get up and they mention, you know, when Phil Dooley goes and preaches over there from Cape Town, they're like, whoa, that's from our country, you know? even though he's Australian in LA, but they recognize him as a South African, but, but, but their lives are changed. And I think so many of us over here kind of say, we'll, we'll sell our lives out to Jesus. We'll do something for Jesus. When he kind of does something big in my life. Listen, you don't need to be blinded for God to do something big in your life. You need to realize that you were destined for hell. Now you're saved and God can work in you today. I don't think we realize how big a miracle that is in our lives every single sunday people give their lives to jesus i i i i I relinquish my life to him that is a miracle but we want to see hands grow feet grow eyes come back legs go ears kind of fit into the right place those things are wonderful but life change is a miracle someone destined for hell now goes and meets jesus the greatest miracle we could ever ever experience And so when we realize that, when we realize that our lives are that, we give our lives away, God gives it back to us. The third thing I want to say is that we're more blessed by God. The more we're blessed by God, the more he expects us to help others. Listen, if you live in South Africa, you are blessed. If you are in this church, you are blessed. You could have been born anywhere else in the world, but God chose you to be born over here. Why? Because he has has a purpose for such a time as this with your life. And the more He blesses you, the more He gives you, the more you have a responsibility to help others. The more you have a responsibility to make a difference in the world. We as a church have a responsibility not only for the people sitting here, but for the people in our city. We, have a resp- we cannot turn a blind eye to what is happening in the city and say, well, thank goodness they're not in my congregation. If it happens in the city, it affects us. And our heart needs to bleed for the city. And the more we have a heart for the city, the more we need to do the more we need to do because we don't exist for us over here we exist for everybody who does not know jesus yet so the more we're blessed by god the more he expects from us colossians speaks about it and right through scripture in fact there are many commandments about that in fact jesus in matthew's gospel matthew chapter 28 he says the following that i'm going to give you like a last mandate before i go this is what i want you to do you've heard of the Great Commission he commands him he says I'm leaving now but before I go this is what I want you to do I love the way it's written in, in in Colossians but in a couple of places of scripture there's certain commands that God or Jesus gives to the disciples before he goes I've spent time with you here now as I leave this is what you need here's your mandate you want to know what your rallying call is this is what you're supposed to do: go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and I'll be with you forever. But Paul writes to the church in Colossians, and and that's the text I want to have a look at. He says the following. He goes, that we proclaim him. We proclaim him. We admonish him and teach everyone with all wisdom so that they may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. We proclaim him. We proclaim him. We tell people about him. We admonish them. We teach every single person with all wisdom so that we may present, here we go, everyone perfect in Christ. And so to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Which powerfully works in me. So my final words, we have a couple of things that we need to do. The first is this, is that we need to reach them. We need to reach them. Not the guy with the floral shirt. We need to reach them. Who's them? Well, those who don't know Jesus yet. Your neighbors, your friends, the next door, per- you know, the person who lives next door to you, the person who waves at you every morning when you leave and you go, hi, hi, who's that? I don't know, but we wave each other every day. Those are the people. We need to reach them. Those who don't know Jesus yet. Those who know Jesus but somehow aren't worshiping anymore. Those who know Jesus but for some other reason have backslidden. Those who know Jesus but have been hurt and offended by the local church. Those who Who have no understanding of who Jesus whoever it is we need to reach them and say to them hang on we want you to come into a fellowship with some other people as we kind of try and do life together Luke speaks about it he says this I want you to go out into the country and I want you to urge anyone who you find to come in so that my house will be full find them urge them to come in you you know the parable he sets up a big meal for everybody and he invites all his friends, and they say, "No, we can't come. I can't do this. I've got that. I, you know, pre-book. I'm watching the rugby. Watching the soccer." So he says, "I want. I want you to go into the alleyways and find whoever you can and invite them. Invite them to this banquet. We're invited to a banquet with Jesus, and so we have a responsibility. It's not for us. It's for everybody else that doesn't know Him yet. We need to go out and we need to reach them." Romans speaks about. It. He says, "This. It's the God's kindness that leads you towards repentance." We we don't go and tell people. Listen, if you die today and a bus knocks you over, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the morgue. I, I don't want to go to heaven because I'm scared of going to hell. I, I want to go to heaven because there is someone who knows my name, who has a plan for my life, who loves me, who's interested in me. That, that's the. I, I don't want to go to hell either but I don't want to go to heaven because I'm scared to go to hell I desire to go to heaven and it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance it's not the shouting and the screaming and the you did that wrong and you've done that wrong and you shouldn't do that and you should it turns people green. it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. so we need to reach them the second thing we need to do is we need to warn them We need to warn people. And I think so often we think, well, there's no way I'm going to do that. But listen, in our church, we believe in four things. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose. And we want you to make a difference. Know God happens here on a Sunday morning at church. Opportunity to worship God, meet Him, know Him over here. Find freedom happens in small groups. You need to plug yourself into a circle. Spend time with other people. Discover your purpose. Well, how to become a leader, how to make a difference, understand your personality, and then make a difference. Well, serve on a dream team or a volunteer team in our church. Those are the four things that you need to do in this church. But warn them, Paul speaks about this, is that when you're living together in small groups, when you and I are in a relationship with one another, that you and I have a responsibility to hold one another accountable then I need to be able to speak into your life. Because, listen, you and I, we accept Jesus, we're fine. We go into small groups. Why to find freedom? Because there's still things in our lives that we need to work through. And Scripture tells me that I need to encourage one another. In fact, the psalm, the, the writer in Proverbs says the following. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person or one man sharpens another. So I need to come alongside some people and say, hang on, listen, there are some things in your life that aren't right. There are some things that I know you've accepted Jesus. But listen, living with your girlfriend and looking with her all the time, a eh, little bit kind of scriptural. We, we, we want to show you how to live a life correctly. Oh, but pastor, I'm sure the Bible here somewhere says that we mustn't judge one another. It does say that. Uh, we, we mustn't judge those outside the faith because they haven't joined the family. But those in the family, we can hold accountable. Those in the family, we can warn and say, this is what you, how you need to live your life. This, this is the mandate. When you, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you took his word at face value. And so if his word says that we believe that, and we honor that. So we need to warn people and encourage people. Maybe that's the wrong word, warn. But we need to hold people accountable. Saying, I haven't seen you in a while. What's happening with you? Are you still fine? Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Can I come alongside you? Can I uplift you? We need it. So we need to reach them. We need to warn them. We need to teach them. We need to teach people. My biggest fear ever in church is that in all the time that you come here if you joined us in january 2018 and you leave us in december 2018 that you've never ever grown in your faith then we, we have failed miserably then but we want to be a church that teaches people in fact scripture speaks into that it says that it says ephesians it says god gave some to be pastors to prepare god's people for works of service so that the body of christ may be built up until we all reach unity and faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and to become mature attaining the full measure of the fullness of Christ God gave some to be pastors it's not a title I hold it's a function that I perform and the function that I perform is to prepare God's people for works of service the whole reason that I exist is to work myself out of a job that's it I've become successful when I no longer have a job when you said, a bell and you used to say to me don't worry don't you don't even have to come to church on Sunday we've got it sorted i'm going to preach this one's going to do that everyone's going to lead worship someone else is going to dance you just said i have then arrived why because the purpose is to create or to teach the saints to do the work of the ministry that's, it, it, it's not like you come here and you watch us do it no no you do the work of the ministry and so we reach them we encourage people we warn them and we teach them and say you don't have to have this guy up front here pray for everybody you can pray for people you don't have to have this guy up front to speak words of prophecy over people you can speak words of prophecy over people you you don't have to let this guy go and visit you in hospital listen you don't want me visiting you in hospital i'm awkward in hospital when i have to come in there and there's pipes and all kinds of things I, I come in very quickly and i'm hello, hello hello and then i leave and you're like was he even here You know, but somehow we've kind of believed that if the pastor comes to the hospital, I'm going to get healed quicker. No, it's the worst thing you can have for me to come there. I get all skitterish and nervous and kind of touch things. And then, you know, but there are other people that walk into a hospital and the whole place knows they're there. They're seated here in the congregation. It's not me. I've got other things that I can do well. Don't know what they are yet. I think it's dance. I'm trying to figure that out. One day, you shall see me dance. To prepare God's, work, people, prepare God's people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. That's what it's for. It's not about you. It's about building the people around us up. Making a difference in the people seated next to us. So we reach them, we warn them, we teach them. And then the next one is, we help them reach their full potential. That's the reason we exist as a church, is to help people reach their full potential in Jesus. You can wear a cape and you can run around like that. But Ephesians chapter 2.10 says the following, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do. To do. We have a responsibility to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. You have good works that you need to do. You have good works that you need to do in this world. You, you cannot just coast through life thinking I've accepted Jesus and that's it. And now I'm just going to wait my days out. And maybe one day when I'm old and gray and I go to bed at night and I sleep, I will wake up in eternity. You have a responsibility until that day. You have works to do. Each and every one of us have works to do. N- not that our works earn us our salvation. We're saved by grace. We've spoken on that. But my works that I do after that make a difference in the kingdom. You don't think you have works to do? Look at the open seat next to you. You have someone that you need to invite. You have someone that you need to pray over. Think of your colleagues at work that are going through something. You have the responsibility to pray and intercede on their behalf. Think of your spouse that isn't here. Both ways. I always think of spouse as a male term. Think of your spouse and your spice. And then you need to. But you have a responsibility to pray over their lives. Hold them accountable. Bring them into relationship. We are God's workmanship. Creating Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us. Before the foundation of this world. I never want you to leave here thinking that you don't have a purpose and a plan in this world. Before you were even formed. He had a plan for you and he had a purpose for you and he's not shocked that you're sitting here he's not astounded that you walked into church this morning maybe for the first time in in many many years he's like oh my word angels come look who's in church today listen there is nothing that you do that surprises god nothing that you do that surprises him and if you're here today for the first time in a long time he knew you were going to be here today He ordained today to happen for you. If you've been coming every single time and this is just kind of, he knew that as well. But he wants you to know this morning that your life is not your own. There is a bigger purpose for why you're here. That you exist for others. You are called to make a difference in this world. And so just as I know my life is not my own, so I know that this church Is not my own and doesn't exist for me. It doesn't exist for, for us, but it exists for those yet to come into this place. That others may know of the wondrous story of Jesus. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Amen.